0: are you one of those people who have given their camera a name? If the answer is yes, this might actually be one of the most normal things in the world. Today I'd like to explore the emotional relationship between us and our photographic machines. This episode is brought to you by discoverthetopfloor.com. 2020 will be the year to revisit some of the most iconic photo tours that I've ever done, but all with a new twist. We'll go back to see Frozen Lake Baikal from a different angle, including driving over it, of course. 2020 will also take us back to Ethiopia, but this time to the Omo Valley with its amazing tribes. We will visit Bhutan again, the land of the Thunder Dragon, and this time we are going to cross it all the way to see parts that tourists almost never get to see and we've added an extension that will take us to the Taj Mahal and we'll go back to the Kyrgyz Republic, the stunning country along the Silk Road to revisit one of the most diverse landscapes that I've ever had the chance to take photos of check out the photo tours at discoverthetopfloor.com I'm looking forward to traveling with you This is Tips from the Top Floor episode 883 for October the 24th 2019 top from the top floor tips from the top all right from the top floor hey, hello welcome it's chris we're back again with another episode of tips from the top floor had to take a break for a week because i i had this big project a video editing project uh by a client and that just ate up like every free minute but it's all turned out good so I'm back with more photography. Yes, I <laughs> gotta pay the bills somehow. Um let me see. Yeah, it's uh it's it's picture taking time. Yes, it's picture taking time. We are doing this again under the hashtag tfttf now. Um set down the pod well leave the podcast on your ears, but pause it, stop it for a second, go take a picture. Uh, I'm going to do the same thing. I'll be back in a minute and I want you to also take a minute or two or five to take pictures so that at least you get one deliberate picture in today. So I'll be here waiting. And we're back. Okay. uh, Post it on your social media with the hashtag TFTTF now. I'll I'll have a look, promise. So the <laughs> the emotional connection, the emotional connection um between human and a machine is much deeper than most people think. And the, the reason I ended up at that, well, which is kind of a it's kind of a, a a knowledge that we all have, but I had a discussion with my friend Andres from Argentina uh, old-time listeners might remember him. He's the one who came up with a TFTT logo 15 years ago. Um, I was still in contact. Anyway, we were chatting online, and uh, for some reason, we got into talking about kitchen appliances, and we started to compare like a fancy modern kitchen machines, like uh, a Thermomix, which. If you live in Europe, you probably know what this is. If you're in the States, I don't think you know. Um, it's pretty much a mixed, a mixture of a a blend of a steel pot and a blender and a built-in stove, and you can program it. and For some dishes, that's cool. Um, but but first, as far as I see it, listen, this is my opinion. I only get, it only covers a limited amount of use cases. And uh, second, it's really expensive for what it does. But but it has a huge fan circle here. Lots of people are so all over this Thermomix thing. And I don't want to bash it. My mother has one. She likes it. Uh, But I'm firmly in the camp that a set of good pots and knives and some excellent ingredients and a bit of skill and experience um, will allow you to come up with great dishes, great meals. And that is nothing you need an expensive appliance for. Uh, But again, I don't want to diss people who use it with great success, but uh, chances are those people know what they're doing, right? Uh, You can be creative with any tool if you know what you're doing, if you have the skills. So Andres and and I talked about about that, and while we talked, it, it kind of became obvious to me that we're looking at some of the same stuff in the camera world, right? Camera manufacturers making... Cameras more and more expensive, uh, adding more more and more features. Uh, The automatic settings are getting smarter and smarter and they take away a lot of the skill from the photographers. Which, depending on what kind of a photographer you are, that might be just the right thing for you. I don't mind shooting with my iPhone, for example, but I still often take over control over the exposure because the phone just would get it wrong and i still have to work and and move to get a good composition this is not happening by just pointing the camera somewhere and i still mostly determine the, the timing of my shot uh, so i do bring some skill from my yeah for the lack of a better word for my for my pro photography and i believe the pictures show that so uh, we discussed that and and when and then Andres talked about his Fuji X-20 that he still likes a lot. And then he said this sentence, photos are not better technically, but it's a joy to take them. And that got me thinking about the, the emotional connection between human and machine, because I believe that that influences what you produce. If you have joy producing it, there's a very good chance that the product will be better in some way than if you, yeah, if you use a machine that you don't have that connection with. Because, I mean, we use machines for so many things. Let's just, let's just take one of the biggest machines that most of us, or that's at least some of us, own. We drive a car. And many of us have an emotional connection to that machine to the point where, where we even give it a name. Now, when I'm in the kitchen, I, for example, I love to cut with uh, certain knives more than others. We, we have some chef's knives, uh, steel chef knives, that are um, nothing fancy, right? I'm not, I'm not a knife nerd, but uh, they're solid, they're decent quality. And then we also have a couple of chef's knives made from ceramics, which are amazing. I mean, they're in some respects so much better than the the other ones. They're light, they are very sharp, they keep their sharpness really good over a long time. But then I will still go back to the steel ones because there's an emotional connection that is deeper and very hard to explain. And maybe, yeah, there is some nostalgia in it, but also there's a different weight distribution. And I think it even includes... uh, the knowledge of about the production process where this thing came from and how it's been made but anyway there's something very similar with cameras and uh yeah some cameras all all the cameras i have have stories and some cameras let, let me okay okay let me let me step away from the computer from the microphone let me take you to our hallway which is where we have a showcase and um, so there's cameras here in that showcase and it's a bunch of old cameras because that's what you do with old cameras you prop them up as, as show pieces <laughs> so uh, really interesting eclectic mix there's an old Billora Boy that's a German camera made from Bakelite there's a Lomo a Lubitel 166 here a, a Roneflex a Voklander TLR a Rollei 35s. Here's a, an old box camera. a co- um, uh, Let me see. Oh yeah, over here. Oh. <laughs> just, just wonderful stuff. An old, old Nikon FE2, um, a Pentacon 6, which is a, an East German camera. And they all, I do have an emotional connection to them all, and and it's different with all of them, and. Then of course, if I if I pick up my DSLRs, I do have an emotional connection with those two, which is not just because they take awesome photos, which any decent DSLR does, um, but because I have spent time with them and I have I have lenses that I love using on them that I cannot use on any other cameras. But then there is there is the good old Minolta X seven hundred, which is a film SLR, and I have a really strong emotional connection with that one. Let me get back on the proper microphone here. So, the X700 um, is just a camera that, ah, the sound, (laughs) it fits like a glove to me. Everything on that camera is perfect for me. And, I don't really know why. I mean, there's certainly the fact that that's the camera that I began my serious photography with. So there's absolutely a nostalgia factor there. But even if I try to factor that out, um, there's still there's the form factor, the size, the weight, the balance, the way the metering works, uh, the feel and action of the shutter button... Uh, the little window that that graphically shows me how much film is still left on the roll, and so on. It's very hard to describe. It's really good design. But I'm sure that emotional connection to that camera helps me take better pictures with it. And that's what I think I'm doing when I take pictures with that camera. I have... I've never really done a scientific thing about this, but uh, I've never made a count, but it feels like I have more more keepers, more pictures that make me happy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the emotional connection to our machines are important and changing changing machines will change the emotional connect, connection to the craft and the result with that. And uh, <laughs> there is, right now, there is change in the viewfinder villa because Monica is adding a new machine to her arsenal of machines and I talked to her about it. We'll <laughs> Now, before we go there, just a quick word from this week's sponsor, Masterclass. Masterclass lets you learn from the best with exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. You can learn about adventure photography from Jimmy Chin or space exploration from Chris Hadfield. With over 60 different instructors across tons of categories, there is literally something for everyone. The Masterclass app is accessible on your phone, web or Apple TV, and each class is broken out into individual video lessons. And downloadable materials which you can explore at your own pace. So I've just taken a dive into into Timberland's class on producing and beat making. And and that's something that I actually like about the mix of topics you can find. There's a lot of learning through masters of their crafts and through transfer. For example, music is about timing editing video is about timing music is about emotion and photography and movie making are about emotion so in the end you can of course learn the techniques and the ins and outs of your specific software but one thing i always take away from these videos is a mindset the mindset of the master and there are so many things that i can transfer to my own craft and art so yeah i highly recommend you check it out get unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as a listener, you get 15% off the annual all-access pass. Go to masterclass.com slash topfloor. That's masterclass.com slash topfloor for 15% off Masterclass. And I thank them for the support. So, as I said earlier, I've brought Monica back to talk to her about a change in her camera lineup. Between the two of us, she is the one with a better eye. That's very obvious. She sees things that I miss. And uh, she's been, for a long time, been very, very focused on her medium format Pentax. So there there are not many topics that we don't tackle here on the show. And that is from the... From the philosophical sides of photography to the implications of photography but of course gear is also something that a bit of a combination of things um, just happened here in the household in the viewfinder villa I'm here with Monica hello hi there uh, you have been um, a pretty much almost strict strictly analog photographer using film for most of your, let's say, creative work, travel work. Um, You used to, Mm -hmm. or you still use your Pentax 6x7. I would never not use that camera. (laughs) The beast, (laughs) we call it the beast. Um, You came from a DSLR, you still had a DSLR. So you did some of the more, let's say, uh, utilitarian photography with the DSLR right
1: especially product photography <coughs> or stuff i used for my mm-hmm. blog or for my podcast yeah. came from the dslr but right.
0: for a for a time frame of about uh, let's say 10 years maybe your the majority of your photography was on film and film is still your favorite medium
1: absolutely yes so and and i and i seem seem to need a mirror
0: when <coughs> shooting
1: yeah, Even in film or also uh, with my digital yeah. cam. Yeah,
0: and and you also uh, everyone who's listening, you also know that um, I have a, a keen interest on on where photography is going in the future. Uh, that's one of the reasons I do the future of photography, the other podcast where we explore that in in uh, quite a, quite some detail. Um, but photographically, I'm more of a let's say I'm a more I'm a more, more conservative person. I still love my DSLRs. I still love my mirrors. Um, I don't really see a big, big reason right now to switch to a completely different system with new lenses and so on. Um, but uh, I have Monica here because you just, is it a switch? No, you just added something to your photography arsenal.
1: Right. It's, it's not a switch as I did not uh, change
0: you didn't th- abandon the film photography, right?
1: No? That is the one thing. And on the other, on the other hand, I didn't really change the system, as I'm still with the same brand when it comes to digital photography.
0: So we we can talk about this openly. This is a this is a mixed a mixed yep. marriage, so to speak. Um, I'm a Canon guy because I have a lot of investment there. You come from Nikon, which is a good thing because it means we'll never have to fight over lenses. Right. This is especially true <laughs> as we tend to shoot with uh,
1: with the same angle so we would same always they yeah. <laughs> would, would always fight and say give give me that 24 millimeter yeah. lens whatever so uh i have all my my money in nikon lenses and i have a nikon dslr and uh, i got annoyed during the last years that whenever i travel um i carry so much gear with me because all the analog stuff is pretty heavy sometimes i even took um Two cameras, an analog one and a digital one. For example, New Zealand. Now I had what my my Pentax with me and I had the Nikon with me, the DSLR. It's
0: quite a bit of stuff to schlep and, around. Yeah,
1: right. And my my photo trolley that is carry-on luggage um, easily uh, has a weight of 16 kilos. Psh,
0: don't tell anyone. <laughs> they don't allow that.
1: Right. So I was always really sending prayers that nobody comes uh, has the idea to to um to check if this is within the allowed um, <laughs> weight. So it it never was actually. So um, I became interested in some of the cameras recently announced. The first one that really triggered my interest was the, the was it a Fuji? No, a the Sigma, the Sigma. Or
0: the Sigma, the small Sigma, the FP,
1: the FP. Right. And it was, was, was really nice that they were so compact and everything. And
0: it's just coming out as we speak. Yeah.
1: And I yeah, it got me thinking, and um hmm, would that be a good idea for the next for the next big um travel adventure to go with less gear and really go only digital and then I thought, hmm, okay, with your d s l. r you do not really gain anything because um, this is a beast also the the d six hundred and ten. And then somebody told me why are you so interested in the Sigma as Nikon has the set the system out and they're really nice and good cameras. And I actually had never... We're talking
0: about mirrorless here.
1: Mirrorless. I had never heard of them because I was just wasn't interested in mirrorless cameras before. And then I checked why out... Why is that?
0: Because you need the mirror.
1: I thought I need the mirror. I was always... oh, <laughs> the, the electronic viewfinders are so slow and they're not working directly enough. And I don't like it that there is always a bit of kind of hesitation in the camera to show me something
0: (laughs) it's it's especially when when you when you have the camera and bring it up to your eye and it takes a half a second for the viewfinder to turn on
1: so annoying and then i had a look at a few mirrorless cameras years ago with the first ones that arrived at the market and i didn't like the menu and everything so sony olympus just not my
0: not your cup of tea. Not my
1: cup of tea. So then I thought, hmm, there is a Nikon available. And it even comes with an adapter that allows to use all your F mount lenses on it, including metering, including autofocus, including everything. And I thought, hmm. Could be worth a try. And then I um checked if there are rentals or yeah, rentals out there that would would allow me to borrow one <laughs> for money. And I found one and I borrowed or I rented the Nikon Set 6 with the adapter and 24 to 70 f4 lens. And yes, it is significantly com- more compact than the DSLR. Looking at the body, of course, the lenses, as long as I use my, my F mount lenses. They're all full frame, right? They are full frame, right. The F mount lenses are <laughs> the same form factor, and the Z mount lenses are smaller um, but they are basically the same lens just mounted to a different mount but i checked it out and i was pleasantly surprised that the camera is really responsive that there was not the feeling of i have to wait until something happens,
0: you, you had to configure the viewfinder a because bit, that yeah. that was still doing the. I I wait for a quarter of a second to turn on.
1: Uh, that's because it goes into standby after a few seconds. Saves
0: battery, right?
1: Right, and but you can you have the the opportunity to f- uh, configure the delay until it goes into standby. And mm. I can say wait five minutes or wait thirty wait for thirty seconds to go into standby. So I have now I have it on thirty seconds. That's super okay with me. The autofocus is, wow, speedy as hell.
0: And by the way, this is not a Nikon ad because uh, the others the others in that segment are really good as well.
1: Right. It's just because I'm a Nikon person. That I looked at the Nikon camera and, yeah, I checked it out and I liked it a lot. Um, I checked a few uh, um, reviews on the camera and also people who do more <coughs> photography than, than I do said, wow, this camera is is really professional tool if you know how to use it and I have a colleague at work who actually traded his uh, 850 for the for the Z6 Mm -hmm. and is pretty happy with it says it's an awesome camera I do all my professional work with that and that that yeah that persuaded me that it might be a good idea to switch here I might sell my D610 and yeah after after I rented that camera I gave it back and bought my own (laughs)
0: Okay, um, now I've uh, noticed that you have a few grumblings with the photos that come out of the camera.
1: Yeah, that's that's not the fault of the camera. It's It's digital and I'm used to working on film, taking a lot of decisions before I even... Take the camera out for a walk.
0: So you decide for the pretty much for the look of the picture by choosing the film.
1: I choose the camera. Film has the the
0: post processing built in.
1: Right, I choose the camera with its characteristics. I choose the film, and before I even go out, I know how to develop that film, which developer to use, um, and what do I push the film or leave it on box speed.
0: So that's an extended form of pre-visualization there.
1: Absolutely. It depends on my mood. It depends on the weather out there, on the lighting that I expect. Um, so that is something I know. I know how the pictures will come out before I even leave the house. Mm-hmm. And that is something different when, you sh- when you're when you shooting digital. So the RAW is... It's
0: RAW. It's <laughs> is RAW.
1: is super plain. I Normally I do all the presets to neutral so as neutral as possible yeah. so the raw really looks
0: well the looks raw, like nothing <laughs> the raw is raw and it needs to be cooked
1: right and i see that the vis- previous visualization i do normally that Doesn't i don't work. do it i don't do it working uh, with my digital cam and this is something i have to so it's something switch. missing there yeah something missing i have to switch that on kind of and think about Okay, just imagine it is film. How do I want the pictures to come out?
0: And then you have to put additional work in uh, on the post-processing side.
1: Exactly. And as I yeah, I, I didn't do a lot of processing during the last week, uh, yeah. years. So I'm I'm a bit out of training here, and I have to get my skills back. In what do I have to do to make the pe- the picture look as I want it to look? So
0: yeah. Now that is raw. Have you started? Playing with a uh, with a JPEG, the development in camera, the presets that are there for different kinds of like, f- I mean f- Fuji. Fuji, if if it was a Fuji, it would have Velvia and Provia and all right. these film simulations. Right. I don't I f- know exactly know what Nikon does in that respect.
1: I'm not a big fan of in camera processing. I
0: but I, but I with film that, you are. I, I
1: use that a bit when I know that I, I can. Um, I can connect the, the camera via Wi-Fi to my, to my smartphone. And then I do in-camera processing if I want to share that on Instagram, for example.
0: So the, the, the ease of use, the convenience. Right, right. Um, but but, 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 but yeah,
1: the, the, the profiles available in Nikon, there are pretty nice profiles in there. I've checked them out, but it's not the same. It's not the same amount of differentiation between the camera profiles in a digital cam and the film that is available. It's just you cannot fake film digitally, and the 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 presets in there are nice, um, but they are not what I want my pictures to look like.
0: Okay, um, I I haven't looked into that, but are there maybe any external presets that that can be put in the camera? Is there like a...
1: I could put them into Lightroom? There are presets yeah, for that's, Lightroom, but that, Fil, that takes... film packs whatever, and it's a good starting point for your um for the development but it's not it's it, it's not an end so to say uh-huh.
0: and we have to say that even with film you still did some or you still do some post processing yeah, it's not straight from camera you still uh, I do digitize the contrast. them you, I do, you change the contrast i do the
1: contrast but usually on one picture the post processing is i know mean, 2 minutes or whatever i if at set all. if at all i set the the black point i go for the contrast i look into maybe into grain in certain areas, but really it's actually two, two sliders used and that's it. Mm. I, look, I look out for uh, possible halos because uh, even if it's not a halo that I caused, I hate it if people think there is a halo. So <laughs> I, I really check the contrast.
0: Uh, this the is contrast. a halo-free household. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: um, but, that, but that's it. So the most of the processing I do is in development uh-huh. and then choosing the right film.
0: But but you were, in, you are convinced enough that the mirrorless thing is going to work for you that you actually uh, took the plunge and, and got one.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty convinced. And in case I do not know how to work with my pictures, there's always the black and white option. And whenever, <laughs> whenever I switch my, my picture to black and white, I feel so much better <laughs> because most of the stuff I do is, is black and white.
0: All right. So
1: and that's in my comfort zone. <laughs>
0: Okie dokie. Um, so, thanks for that insight. I'm I'm keenly watching where this is taking I you. I have a new lens. I have a new lens. Oh, which one? The 85 1.8. Interesting, because that's on full frame. That's a portrait lens, right? Um, um, but you've you've mostly been in the wide angle uh, side. Yeah,
1: you know Ethiopia. I started really shyly to um, shoot a, a few portraits, and I liked the outcome and the. Portraits I shot, I shot with um 150 1.8 on the Pentax six by seven. Which is a p- about equivalent. It's a, it's a seventy-five um equivalent. On, on full yeah, frame. On full right? frame. Right. And I thought, hmm, pretty nice the look and feel, the creamy bokeh in the background. So but when I started getting into photography, I was pretty into the the light telephoto lenses, so eighty-five to one hundred fifty, and there I used them for macro photography uh, back then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now I think, yeah, it's it's a nice it's a nice lens. It's it's also a prime lens. I like my prime lenses, and uh, it will be m- maybe my most tele the lens that is most tele <laughs> that I will have, because normally I shoot in the range of t- between twenty and seventy millimeters but it's a nice lens and i think i will use it
0: very cool so yeah thanks again for your insight and i'll keep an eye out on uh, where this is going i'm looking forward to the to the point where you start mixing in some digital photos in between your film photos on on flicker mm-hmm. and then uh let's see if people actually notice
1: you can notice <laughs> that's, that's a different kind of photography
0: for me all right thank yeah. you very much bye yeah, it's it's a different kind of photography for sure. So uh, this is where you come in. Let me know what is your emotional connection to your photo machine. Yeah, record a voicemail, send it to voice at tfttf.com or post it on social media with the hashtag tfttf now alongside your photos from from the photo time earlier. Really looking forward to hearing from you. So here we are at the end of this episode. Thanks again to Masterclass for sponsoring the episode. And thanks to all of you who support this show via Patreon or or by donating or phonic processing time or by word of mouth. And uh, your support is going to become even more important because there's there's a good chance that uh, soon I won't be having the same access to sponsorships that I used to have. So (laughs) the future of this show might depend on listener support even more and I, I'll know more about the, that in a couple of weeks but uh it's something that really worries me keeps me up at night right now and the reason is that the this is this is inside baseball but the 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 advertising world in podcasting is is changing uh, it is dramatically changing to the point where independent producers like me can't be independent anymore um advertisers and advertising networks especially are are moving to measurement models that require shows to give up their own hosting infrastructure and uh requires them to become dependent on the hosting infrastructure of the advertising network which is a lock in that yeah which by the way would also include automatic ad inserts into the show so i'd be delivering a show without ads and they would insert ads and this is just it's a game i'm not willing to play and it's an independence that I'm not ready to give up. I have been, in the early days of podcasting, I have signed in into a network and uh, and uh, lost my independence for t- over two years, and that was not a good experience. So, chances are that I'll have to find a way to to substitute those earnings. And at this point, I'm not sure how I'll do that. So, yeah, this is probably the worst. The, the most, the biggest danger for, for tips from the top floor yet. Um, anyway, this is still in progress. I'll keep you posted. And uh, yeah. And of course, there are still the wonderful supporters on Patreon, which I, I'm really, really grateful for. Listeners like you who have decided to chip in a dollar or more per episode, which in total is like uh, one of those fancy coffee drinks a month, right? And I'm eternally grateful that you're helping out. It is, yeah, it, it, it really makes this show possible. In the future, it will be, it will make this show possible. Uh, and yeah, I, again, this, it, it doesn't matter at this point, um, but it will maybe soon. But the list of wonderful people who support this show is here. Um, thank you to... Jeremy Curran, Jeffrey Block, Alex Krozo, Daniel Hertrich, Ken Davidson, Leslie Ridland, Marco Binder, Matt Armstead, Peter Morrow, Scott Wurzel, Tom Stewart, Aaron Pinasoff, Stu Silverman, Alan Bruce Horn, Andrew B. Anthony, Chadley Clark, Chandra, Christopher Greenhill, Dave Smith, David Recht, N. Kyong, Francesco Scaglioni, Greg Anastasi, Holger Krupp, James Trimble, Jim Caldwell, John Donahue, Josh Hopko, Just me AMR, Ken. Berian, Kyle, Nishioka, Marvin Aaron, Michael Grunert, Peter M. Spritling, Rob Duba, Rob Jemmet, Rob Robert Goshko, Ryan Gelio, Zina Fat, Steven Sandler, Thomas Nilsson, Trevor Palmer, and of course Woody. And I thank you all so much. It means a lot. And of course, uh, if you're not on this list, just join this group for for uh, for supporting tips from the top floor on Patreon at tfttf.com slash Patreon. Thank you so much. You high, you get- Music for the show by Jeff Smith, Silent Partner and HP Kagerud. Publishing and Slack Challenges by Release Pixie, Matt Rasseter, Armstead Slack Invitations by Chief Invitation Officer, CIO Rusty Russ the link to get on the slack is in the show notes and i can only recommend you join the slack because i love the discussions there and the direct access to me and other listeners it's yeah it's a it's a good and very productive uh, group and of course the slack challenges also take place there so check it out link is in the show notes my name is chris Marquardt you'll find me on social media at chris m-a-r-q-u-a-r-d-t now go out and take amazing photos share them with the world don't forget your photo time of this show be nice to each other and happy shooting